Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show this week. I'm having fun with my graphics, trying to figure out how to do fades and all that other stuff, but um, I'm still not perfect at it, but you know what? That's half the fun is learning and experiencing, and uh, I just realized that I had last week pronounced my wonderful media producer who created those graphics, uh, the flowing in graphics with the music in it incorrectly. It's uh, Josh. I said it was Josh Batty Bar and it's Josh Beatty Bar. So Josh, I just corrected that for you everywhere and everybody. He's just truly wonderful to work with and helps make the recordings of the show look really, really wonderful. And that's really what helps a lot of different things, right? Making things look like they flow, that they reflect who you are as a person and what you stand for as a brand. This show for me is very much who I am, a person who likes to ask questions, a person who likes to really have awesome conversations with people from all around the world that I meet that I want to introduce you to because they've shifted my thinking in one thing or another, or they've made me laugh or smile, or at the end of the day made me go, that's a different way of looking at that. And I love looking at things differently. And I love helping people grow their businesses, which is what I do when I'm not doing this show. I do strategy work and different things. And a big part of growing any business, growing your brand, is learning how to market your business and your brand to your clients or the clients that you'd like to have to consistently help them with the solutions that you have for them. But for a lot of people, marketing feels like rocket science. It feels like only the guys wearing the capes could possibly, and gals, could possibly help you figure out how to market your brands and that you need a massive pocketbook to do that. And I'm here to tell you today that that is not true in every situation. But learning how to figure those things out, how to create your own marketing strategy, how to do the things that are right for your business, for your why, and for your prospective clients' why, is what it's all about. So today I've got a great guest, uh, another guest that I met at Steve Ulsher's Virtual New Media Summit the other month, where I was an icon of influence for my show. And I just loved him so much. I'm like, you have to come on the show. So he is here today. My guest today is James Adam, and he is uh, one of the founders of 33% Marketing, and he is out of the UK. So I'm just going to bring him on screen right now. And James, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Great to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. Yeah, likewise. I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to having a good conversation. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. And um, before we even get started, you just need to tell everybody about what's going on behind you. Because every time I talk to you on camera, I'm like, I see something different. <laughs> it's become a bit of a, it's become a bit of a process, really. Ever since I moved, ever since we all got sent home and we're all working from home now, I started thinking about what was behind me loads more. Like I'd never bothered about that before. And then I thought, you know what, I've got 
a lot of Lego. I have a lot of Lego. Uh, and I thought, I'm going to try and have a, a constantly changing uh, background diorama. So what you can see currently is uh, Hogwarts to one side uh, and my Ninjago city uh, to the other side. So that is that is what I've got on offer at the moment. And are they made out? What are they made out of? It's all Lego. It's all Lego. It's all wow. Lego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all yeah, all Lego. That's all. Yeah. If, if you if you could see the rest of this room, it's just it's chaos, but mostly all Lego as well. <laughs> now, you mean talk. Let's talk about marketing around Legos. When I was a little kid, Legos first came out. Right? They were nobody had ever heard of them before, and they first came out, and they weren't very expensive to buy, and there were no Legos of Star Wars. Well, when I was very, very young, there was no Star Wars, but I, it was in the early 70s when I went to the movie theater and saw it, right? So they had the Death Star, they have the TIE Fighters now, they've mm. got Hogwarts Castle, they've got all these villages that they've licensed and branded. But back then it was just, you know, a box of bricks that you kind of could do some stuff with. <laughs> they've developed their brand into having a theme park, into Lego kits selling for thousands upon thousands of dollars. Can you talk to that with me as like an entry to our conversation about marketing? I mean, you've worked with brands like Hasbro and North Face, and now you focus on, you know, the smaller businesses. So start there. Yeah. I mean, they, they're a classic example of that, of, of doubling down on who you're your perfect customer is, I suppose. So they, they, you know, they went through when, you know, when I was, I was little, it was all sets, you know, cars, trains, spaceships, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. No, there was no licensed stuff at all. And it was just all we, it was all we played with. We, we just, you know, I always loved Lego, but they went through a period of time, which a lot of people, everyone, all, all, Apples, adult fans of Lego have this time they call their dark age, which is the period of time where you didn't buy or play with Lego, which is usually when you stop being a child and start being a sensible grown up uh, and you realize that that's really not something you should be doing anymore. And Lego had this big problem where all those people stopped and they stopped innovating. They stopped coming up with cool new designs for things and a lot of their stuff started to get pretty boring and as you can see a period of time where the lego sets are just not interesting at all and they right. really struggled during that period of time and that's actually when they they brought in some of their tools for business which is you know the lego serious play which is something else that i i use in in work but it was only when they then thought okay licensing is what we need so they got star wars they got harry potter they got indiana jones they got all those kind of things in early early doors and they doubled down on those adult fans. They accepted the fact that grown-ups were buying, you know, th that Harry Potter castle is not being marketed at children at the price point that it's marketed at. So <laughs> they're, they're accepting that these, you know, and you look at their the boxes now, the brand is, they're black boxes. They're very serious. They're designed to look like something that's not a toy, that's, a, you know, an adult executive toy that you might buy. And, you know, and certainly... The reason I love it is because, you know, I love Lego is because of that, um, the sense of a sort of purpose that you get when you're working through a, a, a process of building a Lego model. When when sometimes the world seems a bit out of control, uh, following a, an instruction manual seems quite appealing. But then at the same time, you can use it creatively as well. So I, I just think what they've done with their marketing and, and focusing on who their perfect customer is and those people that are going to spend a lot of money and the people that have then got kids and then they're going to then 
ultimately I'm a marketing tool for Lego because I make my kids love it as well. And that's how that, that press, that cycle works. So, and they've, they've just really, really nailed who their perfect customer is and then just kept making sure they got as much out of them as possible. So they have, you know, I think of Lego and I think of, they have two perfect customers. They've have the child who the parent perhaps grew up with Legos and wants to introduce their child to Legos. So they have those basic kits to get them started. And then they've got the adult child (laughs) that, that wants to play. But at the end of the day, their, their avatar, their perfect client is child, right? Whether it's a child child or whether it's an adult child, their brand, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm struggling with my own branding and marketing and things like that. I see their brand as the child within. Mm, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's that and it's the creative is part of the process as well. Okay. I think that's something that they, you know, they talk about re- rebuild the world. They talk about this process of building things together and, and that side of things as well so i think there is there is kind of it's all about play it's all about you know even the even the business tools that they offer or that you know their partners offer are built around learning through play their education stuff is about learning through play so that everything that they have is about you know and that's what it is as an adult or a child as you say whatever it is it's about finding that inner child and i see we, we see that when we do workshops with people um you know, you get a, a group of people, you know, 15 or so, quite serious, sometimes people that sit down and think, oh, I'm playing with Lego, this is something that kids do. And it doesn't take very long before they start fiddling about with stuff and putting things together in interesting ways and twiddling with, you know, twiddling with little things that tie onto each other and stuff like that. And it, right. it's amazing how there is that, everyone has that inside them. Even no matter how serious and how grown up and how sensible you think you are, inside there somewhere is that, that person that loves to play and I think that's something that you know they they capitalize on that and it's something that I think that everyone can use to get more out of that inner that inner creative from themselves and find that that inner child is marketing kind of like marketing for your own business is that like trying to find your own inner child around your business I think that's the thing for me is that marketing, when we talk about it, is if we started talking about Lego and now we're talking about marketing, I can imagine everyone's going, right. oh, marketing. That's, yeah, yuck. No one likes but that. I, but, I, I know, feel that- like Lego found their own inner child, but they yeah. also can afford to pay major people to help them figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's like, that's the thing. I, and that's, I guess that's, you know, it brings us around to why I love marketing because it should be, it should be fun. Like you're, what, what marketing is at its core is telling people about this amazing thing that you have. Like, so this business you started, this business that you work for, um, this service that you offer, all that marketing is doing is, is you telling people about it. So if you love what you do, if you're passionate about the thing that you have to offer, then telling people about it shouldn't be that scary. It shouldn't be that hard. And, and ultimately, if you can play with that and you can have fun with that and you can make it into a, into a game or into something that is enjoyable, then 
I think you can be incredibly successful at it, but I think so many people get just get in their own heads about the tactics, about the how, and the you know should I be on this platform? Should I be on that platform? I need to be everywhere, doing all these different things, and worrying about algorithms and all this other stuff that they completely forget what it what it is at its heart, and and that is you just telling people passionately about your amazing business, and that that's the bit that I think people get disconnected with. All right. My favorite question is why, and I know you love the question why. So why is it that people get so wrapped up in the minutia and can actually get paralyzed with trying to take a step forward with anything around marketing? The, the world wants you to do that, doesn't it? I mean, there's there's a number of different ways that that can happen. I think there's, you know, I, I run a marketing agency. One of our jobs is to make marketing sound difficult. So you pay us to do that thing. You know, that was for many years. That's what we did. And that is, you know, one of the things I like least about that industry is that that's what that's kind of the that's kind of the way it works it's the same in a lot of professional services lawyers do it doctors do it every you know most a lot of these things are built on the the premise that if i make it sound complicated enough you won't want to do it yourself and you'll get something you'll pay us to do it for you but there's also just so much social media is so responsible for it as well but so many different things shouting at you saying you need to be over here doing this thing you should be on clubhouse you should be thinking about this platform, what are you doing on Reddit? Have you got your Instagram stories right? What about your Instagram reels? Are you doing this thing? Are you doing that thing? What's your SEO like? Have you checked out the latest algorithm on LinkedIn? Are you posting enough? Have you commented enough people? You realize you're in my head right now. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what it is. But the world is just, you know, and that's just like one bit of it. You know, that's just that you're online. If you start thinking offline and if you're a retail business and you're, you're worrying about all this other stuff, and then you're most of the people that we're we're working with. You're also running an actual business. You know, you're you're doing your operations, your HR, your all these other things as well. And you can see why people just go, "Oh God, that sounds just too hard. I'll put that in a box and deal with that later, and not you know, and not bother doing it." But I think that's that's why it seems so complicated because people are just getting you know they're just listening to too many other people saying you should be doing this and you should be doing that. That that voice in your head from the outside world definitely sways sways a lot. Um, mm. Yeah, I think, but well, yeah, it's both, isn't it? It's that, yeah, it's and, and I feel like it all the time as well. I always feel like I should I should be doing more. I need to be over here doing this thing, and I should be over there doing that thing. And you know, and then you you just you look at other people and you compare yourself. You can't help it, can you? You can't help but compare yourself to what other people are doing and feel bad about yourself. And then you think, oh no, I. I can't do that because I won't be as good at it as somebody else. But the truth is, you 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 just kind of it's all because people have forgotten the that what it was. It is very hard, which is just doing it. Just go out and and share and uh, and don't worry as much about whether you're getting the algorithm right. Because and you've you talked about it on previous episodes as well that it's it's about consistently doing something, even if that something isn't perfectly optimized. Don't worry about that because I think that's what people get in their heads about. If I'm going to do this thing, I need to make sure it's absolutely perfectly optimized. If I'm going to record a podcast, I need to make sure it's the audio is absolutely perfect every time. When in truth, just doing something consistently, just telling people, just posting on Facebook consistently to a to an audience that you recognize that, that loves what you do is going to get you way further than worrying about the little details of your SEO or your metadata or those kind of things. Thank you for that. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I'm laughing because I've, I've been struggling the last three, four weeks 
not only because of my hand, but because of the sound induced vertigo. And I hit like a depression wall and I haven't posted to podcast three weeks worth of shows. And I sit here and then it, it like gets harder and harder to post them because I'm like, well, I haven't posted what's going to happen when I post. Is somebody going to comment that I haven't posted? You know, have I lost listeners? And I know I haven't based on rankings and, and different things like that, but you, you know, I go negative with I'm not being consistent and I tell other people to be consistent. And then here I am, I got paralyzed. And then I thought about it. Well, what about people who during COVID had to maybe close their doors for their business and they maybe now are beginning to think, okay, I can reopen my restaurant. I can reopen my retail store or, you know, I can go back to work because I had to stop working because my kids were home and my husband was home and I just couldn't do my job while I was doing these 10 other jobs I have around the family. And I went, what am I saying to them by me saying, well, you can't restart that once you stop, that's it, you're done. And I'm curious your, your thoughts on that, James, right? I'm living it. I'm always the first person on my show. I, I just, whatever I'm going through, I'm going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) If I've got a fear, if I've got a worry, I'm going to express it to my guests because I guarantee that there's a bunch of my listeners out there that are going through the same thing. What if I have a friend who had to stop business for three months. They got COVID so bad. They don't even remember being in the hospital until all of a sudden they woke up. They've discovered they had been on a ventilator and, you know, had been in that knocked out twilight state that they put you in when you're on a ventilator. And he had to relearn how to walk and to talk and feed himself after COVID. Right now, he's not so much worried about getting his business back restarted, but he literally had to stop. So what do you, what do you say to that, to people? I think that, you know, you're right there. We've we've all been in that place where you've done something and then you haven't done it for a while and you feel a little bit like, well, you know, but I always, with everything, with, with, thinking about your customers with everything to do with marketing I, I always just encourage people to think about your closest friend think about a member of your family or somebody like that and we've all been in that position where you think oh flipping it. I haven't texted my mum for a for a week or I haven't sent a message to my friend for a little while and you sit there and you think oh it's going to be a bit awkward the next time I do because I haven't been as good a friend as I should have been but in the end you do you do send that message to them and they don't say, oh, where have you been? They welcome you because that's what friends do. And that's the truth. That's what it's like with your customers, with people that you work with, is that when you do show back up again, even if you haven't shown up for a couple of weeks, even if you haven't posted in a, a certain place for a certain amount of time, when you do show up, if you're genuine and honest and authentic, 
then you will be welcomed. That's what it's, that's what, you know, in my experience, that's always the way the world works. So if your doors have been closed for a period of time and you share why, and we've, you know, we've got this, uh, you know, a couple of weeks from now, the 12th of April over here, the shops are going to be back open again. People are going to be out outside. So businesses are thinking about, okay, how do we get people back? How do we get people back in again? And, but there's, this demand people want to help i think that's the thing that people sometimes forget is that um customers want to be customers people want to go to shops people want to support businesses especially small independent businesses so if you haven't been talking to people for a while just talk to them just just put yourself out there and share your your truth your true story of what's going on for you and and i think that that's what it's all about it's all about connection because that's what you haven't had um in all this time buying off Amazon, buying online, buying, you know, having Deliveroo delivered to you or whatever else, (laughs) there's no connection there, is there? And that's what I think people are craving. So I would just say anybody that, if you haven't, if you feel like you haven't shown up for a while, don't, don't worry, just show up and you will be welcomed back. Does it have to be video? Does it have to be slick graphics? Because it seems like everybody and their brother is promoting, you must be on video, you you must have really cool graphics. Is that I mean, what really needs to happen? I mean, I, I love cool graphics. There's no getting around that. It's nice to see. And I think you do, there is a, there is a judgment that you make when you see a, a quality graphic, when you see a logo looks good, there is a judgment that you make. But the truth is when you talk about, when you talk about a brand and we have this conversation all the time about branding and, and you know, you, you talk to people about, you know, I'm a branding agency. What you do is you design logos. That's not the same thing. Um, but people think about that as being more important than the, than the values that you have, than the, than the, than everything about the detail of your business. When the truth is, when you ask someone about a restaurant, they talk about, Oh, it's, it's, you know, the food is amazing. The service is fantastic. The, you know, it looks great inside. The people are so friendly The you know, they make this pasta and it's, you know, absolutely incredible. And that is your brand. That's what makes you special. That's the thing that people remember. If you ask that same person, what color their logo was, I, bet nine times out of ten they couldn't probably tell you because it's not as important as nailing that other stuff as well and i think that sometimes is that sometimes the distraction that with with marketing comes this idea that i need to focus on making my website look amazing or making my graphics look fantastic or making my you know my audio quality look absolutely beyond reproach when in truth there's there's that detail of your business of your product of your service and if you get that right then word of mouth and everything else will do so much of the work for you. Okay. So that's the messaging part. Absolutely. All right. I, I'm going to go in a, a, a very <laughs> different direction to talk about messaging. All right. Because there are very few people I can do this conversation with. Probably you, Mark Asquith, um, a couple of other people that I know. All right. Let's talk Superman. <laughs> Always happy to talk Superman. Okay. I know you're a, a big Superman fan. Um, I I grew up with like the original Superman, you know, black and white and, and all of that stuff. Nice. Superman's messaging has always been about hope. That no matter how bad you think the situation is, that you can overcome it, that good will always win out over evil, even when it seems like the darkest time, that 
yeah, you know, you're always going to be rescued or whatever. But it's very clear messaging. And then all of a sudden, Zack Snyder comes in. <laughs> and I think it was Man of Steel yep. when they rebooted the whole franchise. And all of a sudden, Superman kills. He felt he didn't have any other option that if he did not kill the evil person that he could see what would happen to, to these really good people in the world. That's a major pivot on messaging. And if somebody's will, you know, we can even go into Star Trek, right? When JJ Abrams took over and he created the alternate timeline with the Romulans and the mining ship and, and brought Spock from the original into the new. And, and by the way, I do love the new series as long as I put aside my, my preconceived notions of what the world should look like and the timeline should look like. But again, these are massive shifts in messaging that have completely changed sort of who follows the things. So if we use Superman as this idea of messaging, what does that look like to you? Because you're a super geek like me, right? Super, it, it, it just makes charged. no sense to me. <laughs> I don't watch yeah. the Justice League, the Superman movies. Wonder Woman finally brought hope back in. Yeah, I mean, I think that it comes back to this idea of, and I think this is, you know, fans are guilty of this. Everyone's got their own version of the thing that they that they love the most, and that's their version of the thing, and that's the thing. Um, for me, Superman is dorky Superman. He's he's Clark Kent first. That's who he, that's who he is. It's about, as you said, it's about hope. He's a person, and he's always been my favorite superhero because of that light where where Batman is dark and broody and miserable and stuff. And, and whilst I'm like, I'm all for take, um, take the Snyder, the Snyderverse, take that and do that story. And I, and whilst it's not what I would have done with Superman, that's not my Superman. Um, I, I respect the idea of taking it in a certain direction, but I feel like that is chasing, chasing the general public demand of dark broody everything's got to be miserable everything needs to be serious you don't you know when was the last time a superhero movie won an oscar it doesn't happen because they're not they're not dark and serious and miserable until the joker comes along you make a dark serious miserable movie bingo that's okay i could not watch the last joker at all i wanted to throw up (laughs) i i just couldn't watch it but so they've it, but, lost me now, but I'm obviously not their audience. No, but that's and I think that's the thing is that you're taking a you're taking a property that traditionally is you know targeted at a different audience, and you're trying to get somebody else. And and I suppose in a way that is is something that we we sort of recommend because you're saying right, I'm going to target this audience because I think there's more of those people, and in doing so, there's a danger that I might alienate some of the other people, and they did you know and they did and people you know people like you and me who that's not their superman that's not your version of whatever whatever it might be and it could be anything and it could, it happens with the products you could say my business i'm gonna i want to target these types of people and in doing so you might alienate some other people and that is a it's a balance you've got to weigh up and sometimes that's the right thing to do because that's what when you know people always talk about niching down and focusing on the the kind of 
that small target market. And you know, we, we we had that to some extent with my you know with my agency where we were trying to think about who who we wanted to target. And people would always say, oh yeah, but I don't want to. We don't want to turn down work we don't want to let this other work go away but but in truth the solution is you do you do want to do that and you do need to focus in but i think that there is a danger of of losing touch when you chase the thing that you think is the big thing when you go out thinking oh yeah but look over there there's that that big you know it's like the the Aesop's fable, the dog who's looking into the water, he's holding a bone in his mouth and he sees the reflection of the other dog. It's got the bigger bone. So he chucks his bone to one side, jumps in after the dog with the big bone and then loses all the bones. And that can happen when you think you've seen something, some big thing over here and you go chasing after that and you, you end up you end up with nothing. And I think that in a way is what we're talking about here with the, the Superman analogy, which is that you're chasing this the dark, broody kind of general group of people that love dark, broody movies. And then I think in doing so, alienate the people that have loved Superman for eight years, the people that have, you know, been a fan of that, of that hopeful message that, you know, that, that that's what we want. Can a pivot like that be successful? I mean, I'm, I'm, as you were talking, and I, I'm really curious which Superman and, and which Star Wars and Star Trek and, and stuff you like, you know, because there's the original Star Wars and then the there's the second iteration that just went in really strange places. But in, a, in the United States, JCPenney and Sears, two big department store companies, are you familiar with them? Yes. Yep. Okay. So Sears owned the retail market for a hundred years, right? Everybody had the Sears catalog. I mean, even the TV series MASH in Korea, they got the Sears catalog and they passed it from person to person and they ordered items that got delivered, beds, this, that, coats, everything, right? They, when the market shifted back, you know, then they created the retail thing and they were big in retail. And then all of a sudden it went back to this online thing and Sears was unable to make the pivot. J.C. Penney, a new head came in and decided that their client base was no longer the middle-aged woman buying clothes for herself and for her children and her husband and decided that it was tweens was their market and they went cheaper. And everybody's at J.C. Penney seems to be like, what happened? Why is our business suffering? <laughs> These companies haven't made successful pivots. And, you know, Superman makes this pivot. Can you ever successfully do that? I think there are ways of doing it successfully, but generally only if it's done for the right reasons i think people you know in this crazy you know covid world people you know businesses have had to make pivots you know if you're a retail if you're you know a restaurant they've made a pivot to uh, to an online delivery or to something like that they've pivoted the way their business works but they probably haven't pivoted their customer who their ideal customer who their perfect person to work with because the truth is that doesn't change as much and, I, and we see this all the time where people you know people will come to us and say we really want to tap into that millennial market. We want to get hold of. We want to. We want to get more in front of these other people. And we're like, well, but you're a real. You're like you're a high end hotel who's got an amazing collection of quite wealthy older customers. You haven't got all of them, 
So maybe you should just not worry about trying to appeal to millennials and you should focus on who that those people focus double down on that already really well well tapped into audience you've got and i think that that's usually when these things happen when someone has this great this great idea of going after this promised land this idea of something that's over there that they could potentially tap into instead of focusing on what makes you special, focusing on who your audience is, the people that have been supporting you for all that time. And it's not to say you can't grow it. And it's not to say you can't bring in separate products or sub brands or things that could appeal to those people. And that's often a smart way to go about it because you don't, you bring in a sub brand, you can target a different audience. And uh, you know, and that's how we always suggest you do that is you, if you want to bring in a new avatar, if you want to bring in a new ideal customer, then do that, but but market to them specifically and not necessarily at the expense of completely alienating the people that have been with you and supporting you all the time before that. And I think that's, so I think a pivot can work, but I think only if it's done with a sort of, with the customer at its heart, rather than with a, a board director that's just decided that they like the idea of targeting tweens or some random audience that they just think, yeah, that sounds like a good place to go. Let's go and get some more of them. They've got some money. This thought went through my head when you were talking about that of when we first started talking about how do you decide, you know, where you, where you market and what you do. And if you haven't marketed in a while and what popped into my head was this idea, James, of, are we listening to everybody else's marketing telling us what we should be marketing versus listening to ourselves and our own brand and our clients? And I kind of, is that what you were, the essence of some of what you were saying was a, around that, that we're, we can be swayed that we have to go after the millennials, but, but why, if that's not really our success model? Yeah, I think it's it's so easy to be distracted by the shiny new thing, the the possible opportunity or the potential audience that might be over there. It's so easy to be drawn in by oh, that someone's doing this on Instagram, so that's probably a good thing to do. So I should probably go off and do that. But the truth is, and it's this analogy I always we always use, which is that if you really really know who your customer is, if you're really inside their head, then they they are like a good friend, and you don't think about when you go to text your close friend you go to send a whatsapp to a family member or something like that you don't think about it that much you don't get your text signed off by several people you don't get your images approved by anyone else you just you see a funny picture you share it you know they're going to love it you see a product you think's interesting you share it you know that they're going to love it and if you get to that point that level of sort of intimacy with your ideal customer where you're right inside their brain that's how it works. And you don't get distracted by all these other things telling you what to do because you don't go, you, you say, they're not on TikTok. I don't need to worry about that because my ideal customer is not, is not, not only are they not on TikTok, maybe they are on TikTok, but they're not buying things when they're on TikTok. They're over there for that reason. I think that's the other thing people forget is that, yeah, okay, everyone's on Facebook, but if they're on Facebook in their leisure time, and they're not thinking about work or making purchasing decisions or anything like that, then don't talk to them there. Focus on the places where they are, where they're thinking about buying things, where they're thinking about employing your services. That's where you should be. And you know that if, you, if you're really inside the brain of your customer. Okay, so what are some strategies 
that my listeners can begin to implement or think about or ask themselves to to help them figure them out. Because I know there's a lot of my listeners that are lost because they say it all the time. Even my, my clients are just like, I do not know what my brand is. I don't know why my clients are buying. I don't know what I should say or do. I think a lot of that comes from, you know, there's this, this drive that you've got to be perfect, that you've got to, you know, I, I don't want anyone to see a crack in the veneer. I don't want to see anyone to see this idea that maybe I don't know what I'm doing and it's all a little bit out of control. But the truth is, the more honest you are, the more you share that story with your customers, the better the bond that you have with them. And I would say, if you don't know why your customers are buying, ask them. It's that straightforward. You you just have to talk to, to people and understand what it is they love about you. Because the first thing that we always say, you know, if, if you want some sort of actionable things that you could go away and do right away to make this, you know, to make your marketing more efficient. We always talk about ruthlessly efficient marketing and focusing on only doing the things that you absolutely have to so that you can get back to doing the things that you have to do, which is running your business. Um, first thing is understand what it is that makes you special and the way to do that is to talk to your customers to understand why they recommend you look go back and look at your reviews really read them and understand what it is because the thing that you think makes you amazing might not actually be the thing that your customers love about you and that that is the so it's the first thing you need to do because it, it, as so many people we talk to, they're like, what makes you special? Well, I do this and I do that and I do this and you know, this is the way we approach things and it's completely unique and da 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 da, da. But in truth, there's often some sort of kernel of something in there. And that's why we, you know, the first thing we do when we start working with a new client is say, right, I need, I want to speak to all your customers. I want to speak to your clients because I don't really care what you think your, it makes you special. I actually want to know the people that already love you because what you just need is more of those people. Gotcha. So, so the first thing is talk to your customers and understand what they love about you and what makes you special. And then it's about building out that avatar, building out that ideal customer and understanding how to, to picture them so that you can really get inside their head because that's how you then find more of them. And that's how you drill down and focus on only worrying about the places where they are, where they're hanging out, but also where they're thinking about buying something, where they could potentially become a customer. Because... <laughs> That's what you've got to do. You need to you need to be there. But then the the last thing, and I think this is the thing that sometimes people get, you know, get really distracted by and get really stuck in their own head is, then you've got to understand what to say to them, because it's all well and good. You know, you know, everyone talks about have your find your niche, get your ideal customer, and all this kind of stuff. But then the last part, which is often the hardest part, is okay. Well, now you've got to you've got to write a post on Facebook every day, or you've got to write a you know you need to send out a tweet a couple of times a day. That's a lot of content and you've got to come up with a way of making that content work for you. And if you're a small business, then that's really hard. That's like a big job. And, you know, plenty of, you know, if you're a big brand, that's happy days. You have a social media department. They can come up with tweets of the cows come home and that's fabulous. But the truth is, if you're trying to do that every day, um, come up with something in the morning when you're trying to do your stock, your inventory, cooking who knows what what else you're trying to get done but you aren't going to get that done because it's going to get put to one side because it's too hard and you're going to just get on with something else so it's just it's just not the right way to approach it so that's why we always talk about this process of coming up with your uh, what we call subjects of influence which are the subjects the, the big topics that you talk about with authority that you 
you share because ultimately those are the things that your your customers are really interested in the things that you're really good at but most importantly the things you love talking about because when you talk about something you love you do it more easily you you share stuff the content just keeps flowing and when you've got those ideas it just makes the content so much easier and it goes back to that that analogy i talked before about about having a close friend is when you when you've got those subjects that you know they're interested in it doesn't make sharing things very difficult you never feel mucky about it because that's something we hear that sometimes as well that people feel like oh i don't i don't want to post something on facebook because i don't want to seem too salesy or too pushy or too whatever else but what you know if you've got the right person they should be happy to hear from you they would be pleased that you've sent them that message because they're interested in the thing that you've got to offer and and i think that's that's the key it's you know understand who it is you're talking to understand where they are and really really nail what to say to them is it ever possible to successfully go off brand and still come back um i think it's a brand is, you know, we we talk about a, a brand, and I think it is quite a nebulous thing. Understanding that it's, it's important to know where your the boundaries of your brand are. What are the values? Where do you go? So you know that when you're pushing the boundaries, because sometimes that's a really valuable thing to do to go to step outside the lines and see what happens and see if it pushes it somewhere. Because sometimes that's when you move the needle the most. Is when you move things a little bit this way, you have gone a bit outside of your comfort zone, outside of your brand's comfort zone. But there's maybe there's something really fabulous there, in which case that's been a worthwhile exercise. But you know where you were. And so if it isn't quite working, you can pull it back and you can get back in back in line. And most of the time, that's not going to be a problem. We talk about, you know, go wish to go back on about Superman. But the truth is you can take Superman off in another direction and then you can bring him back again and everyone will go, welcome back. We're happy to have you back as the beacon of hope and positivity and all is forgiven. So, Like with Superman and Lois, which exactly. just recently started, they brought Superman back. Dorky Superman. That's what we want. Happy, happy with that. And that's, you know, and that's the thing. And I think generally that's, that's true of most customers. Now, if you do it consistently with complete flagrant disregard for what your customer wants, like you don't care about them, like you've completely disregarded them. And I think that that example you said before about, you know, about Sears and JCPenney is, you know, if you if you do act like you don't care about your customers, you do run a real risk of of losing them and not getting the new people you chased after. So you have to be really careful with that. But generally, I think you can make a bit of a, a play for another angle, but then know that you've, if you don't go too far, you'll always be welcomed back again. In the case of JCPenney, they're not getting the customers back because they found other places. I think a lot of mm. them are going to Kohl's and, and other places now as a result. And Sears, we all know, is just, has fallen apart. Um, I know that my listeners have a fear that if they market wrong, that they're, they're destroyed forever, that there's no hope. And you've just said that that's not really the case. But we, we've seen it where big brands have really gone by the wayside because they couldn't figure out how to, how to market all of a sudden. They made a pivot and it was really bad. In the case of a number of my listeners, they don't even, they're afraid to start, James. 
right? Because, you know, it's the TikTok, it's the clubhouse, it's the Instagram, it's the this, (laughs) it's the that, it's the Facebook, it's do I put something in the newspaper? Do I go after traditional media? Do I try to go to a podcast? Wait, I don't even have a website. (laughs) (laughs) So they're all like, there's this huge portion of the world out there that is just paralyzed. It's like they've been, you know, Spider-Man stuck them in a web and and they don't know how to get out. But it's just it's it's analysis paralysis, isn't it? You look at all of the all of the different options, there's so much to choose from. So just do none of them. And that's the right. you know, that's the it's the blessing and the curse of where we find ourselves today. You know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when I started in marketing, God, that was a long time ago, but um, there wasn't that much choice. You know, there weren't that many different things you could potentially do. And certainly more of them were paid and most of them weren't free. And right now there's just so much choice. You've got so many different things you could do that it becomes completely overwhelming. And I can totally yeah. get why people look at it and go, there's just too much. I'm just not going to do anything. I'm not going to start. But, but any, to anybody that says, I don't want to do marketing, you're kidding yourselves because you already do it. Like if you've got a business and you, do, you have any level of success, when someone comes in and you give them a good service, when you have a client and you give them a good service and you encourage them to tell their friends about the great experience they had, you're doing marketing. You're just doing it on a small and grassroots scale. And all you've got to do is work out how you do two times that and gradually increase it. So to anybody that's a, that's afraid to start, then I would just say, do something. Pick one thing. Understand. Start off with a strategy. Don't think that, uh, you know, and we hear this all the time as well, that, that marketing strategy is just for big brands. You, if you've got to, you, you don't need to have a marketing strategy if you're running a small business. You just need to worry about getting on with what you're getting on with. The, the truth is that a marketing strategy is the most important thing for a small business because when you have that strategy in place, you don't you don't think about it from a day to day. You've got a piece of paper that you go, right, what do I need to do? Follow these instructions. It's your own, you know, we can go back to the, the Lego instructions at the start of our conversation. A marketing strategy is your Lego instructions. That's your booklet. You turn the page and you say, right, step one, I do this, I do that, I do this, and I'm going to have a, a level of success. And I think that's the thing that people miss. So when you when you go through that process, try to come up with a strategy. But I'm not talking about a big, you know, 50 page document with an executive summary and all manner of other nonsense that you, you write this big thing and you go, right, well done, everyone. High fives all around. We've written a marketing strategy. I'll pop it in the drawer down there and we'll get on back, get back to work again. Um, I'm talking about a living, working document, an actionable document that's got a list of things you do and you follow it. And if you think they change, you change it and you keep updating it. And that's what a marketing strategy really is. It's not a, it's not this, this stuffy old document that you give to the bank manager. That's just not what it's, that's not what it's there for. Um, Can you give an example of a marketing strategy, James? Like what, give me some ideas of what's on a marketing strategy versus tactics. So yeah, we, when we think about a marketing strategy, our, our focus is on, as we've sort of, as we've touched on before, really a marketing strategy, from my point of view, has got three things in it. It's got what makes you special. It's got who your ideal customer is. It's got those, it has those avatars in it. It talks about exactly 
who you know who you're trying to talk to then it talks about where they are it talks about the channels that you need to be focused on and it, it I, I mean lots of the ones that we work with i actually deliberately write i want you to ignore these channels don't worry about them so if someone comes to you and says hey you're not really doing much on there you say i know i'm not and that's all ah. <laughs> so leave me alone i don't want a part of it i don't care how many people there are over there i don't care what i'm fabulous opportunity is i've got this amount of hours in my day and i can only do this much work because the truth is if you've got a marketing team of 20 people you can do all of it happy days but if you've got one person or you've got two or three people you can't do it all so you have to focus on doing something really well so eliminate the things that you shouldn't be doing and forget about those okay it, it talks about what those subjects are and i and i always encourage people to have that that top level i'm not talking about what you would tweet on a day-to-day basis i'm talking about the big topics that you talk about so we talk about marketing efficiency a lot that's something that we you know that we are very passionate about and we we always talk about but below that sits lots and lots of individual smaller pieces of content which we call superhero content which is the big article that then so you'll see a theme with all these things but um we call it superhero content, which is a big article that contains lots and lots of data and useful information. And then we have sidekick content, which is a tweet. It's a Instagram post. It's whatever else you want it to be. It's the thing that supports that that bigger that bigger thing and drives traffic into it. But that's only because that's um, that's where our audience is. That's the right way for us to attract them. But you know, for your business, that might not be the right way to do. So again, the strategy has that. It has what makes you special it has who your customer is it has what you should be talking about uh, and the tone as well and in your values and those those parts of things which a lot of that sometimes sits in your business strategy or your brand guidelines and and again i think i always said there's not there's not a correct way to do this the, the correct way to do it is to do it is to have some idea of of who you're talking to and then where to find them and, and i always i just always encourage people to start with who that perfect who that perfect customer is because you know yeah in truth when you get when you get inside someone's head a lot of this stuff sort of figures itself out a lot of that stuff is instinctive uh, and i think that's that's often the way to go about it you make it sound so simple (laughs) and and i love that about you which is why i was drawn to you when you were pitching and talking at virtual new media summit thanks and to me, one of the essences of what you talk about and how you help people is getting them to say, don't be afraid, just take a step. It's not about taking a thousand steps. Take one step, see how it goes. Um, focus on this for now. And, you know, two months from now or a month from now, you can make another step if that's not really getting traction. How though does somebody know? And I've never really gotten an answer that um, kind of makes sense around this, but I, I think it's prone of, it, you, you know, it's one of those, it depends <laughs> kind of answers, but I'm going to ask it of you, James. At what point do you say something's not working or something is really starting to get traction, I need to pursue it. So it's a two-part thing. When do you say, okay, we're not going down this road anymore? And when do we say, let's pick up speed? 
And I know the answer is it depends, but I'm good to do everything I can to answer this question without (laughs) saying it depends. Uh, I think, I mean, if you are, you know, if you ask my business partner, uh, you know, anytime I think, you know, about three days is how long I'll wait before I decide something's not working and move on to another <laughs> thing. But that's not the correct answer. Don't listen to that attitude. The The truth is that if you if you really drill down where you're trying to get to, that's that's what you want to understand. So if you're a bit if you're running your business and you know where you want where you want to be in the distance. That's your goal. And it's really important to have that idea of a goal, because if you don't set a goal at the start, then you can't decide if something succeeds or fails. So you have to have that in place, because the truth is we've all done that. Where we've we've not set a goal and we've just done a thing. And then you start looking back and go, was that successful? I don't really know, because I didn't really decide where I wanted to be at the end of it anyway. So if you're if you're doing something and you're and you set that goal, that allows you to establish whether the thing you're doing is getting some traction or not the first and simplest thing to do is is it if your objective is get more email addresses get more data get more likes on facebook get more engagement get more whatever your the metric is that makes your business work and you do have to decide what that is you have to decide what your metric is you're going to use to measure success but if you're moving a bit in the right direction if you can see that there's some positive change happening then you know again i just always encourage people double down on that see what happens if you pour a little bit of gas on it and then give it a little bit more if it's you know if it's advertising try a little more budget does it have an impact but if it doesn't don't you know again again it oh i nearly said it then i'm not going to say it if it doesn't seem <laughs> but like it really it's does it, depend i, I get it that does, it does depend but if if it seems like it, it's ultimately it's down to the the tactic you're using as to how long you should give it before it you decide whether it works or not. If it's advertising, you should expect results a little bit quicker. If you're, um, if ultimately your channel to be able to get people in is going to be natural search through SEO or something like that, you're going to have to give it a bit longer because that takes longer to happen. So you need to understand the channel that you're operating in. You know, if you're going off to build a, an Instagram audience from scratch, you're going to have to work at that quite hard for quite a long time before you start really getting some traction with it. So you have to understand the channel that your audience is in and then understand the channel that you're going to use to get to them. And then have a bit, do a bit of research, understand what success is likely to be and how long it's likely to take for you to get to that point of success. So don't bail out too early because I think that's a lot of people and I know you know, you, you've talked about this before as well, which is people just try a little thing, see if it's working. Oh, that's not working. Forget that. Move on to the next thing. Let's try that over there. And they don't consistently do things. And that's how, you know, you build an audience. Podcasting is a classic example. You build an audience by turning up every week, by doing it consistently, by constantly providing the same thing. It's the same with blogs. It's the same with, with everything. You just, you have to keep doing it because people want to, they want to know you're there and they're going to keep coming back gradually. But but again, it's down to the, the channel you're using, I think, is the answer. Was that you know, an answer? I, I, we're almost at an hour, and I could talk to you for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
totally changed. I mean, we didn't even talk about advertising, you know, and, and, and whether when you decide to do that and Facebook ads and this and that mm. LinkedIn and, and events and, and whatever, and that we could go down a whole nother road. Yeah. Um, we could do, with, yeah. We could do for a couple more hours, I reckon if we could. Yeah. Do. Yeah. Easily. But cause marketing and that whole idea of growing your business is such a beautiful topic, which is why I love having people like yourself on, on the show. And yeah, you know, we're talking about Stack Cider. They they just released his uncut Justice League, right? I really have no urge to see it, no matter how much they've marketed at it and that they accidentally leaked it during the Tom and Jerry because somebody hit some <laughs> wrong thing. I personally don't think that was wrong. I think it was a tease. It got them PR and, and whatever, but I, I love what you were talking about around, you know, find what what's for you and your clients and be authentic and, and honest. And that's who I see you are in every interaction we've had. And um, I'm a huge fan of everything you have behind you as well. We could probably do, I think maybe I need to have you and Mark Asquith and I on the show and we'll just do a whole episode. Just a geeking out episode. Yeah, just talking Green Lantern, Star Wars, <laughs> Star Trek, um, superheroes, Marvel, DC. You know, I think we could have a blast. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Okay, cool. Because Mark said he wants to do one with me too. So <laughs> we have to make that happen. I want to make sure people can find you, James, because you have so much valuable information. I know you write on Medium. You have stuff on your your website. You have different courses, and even if somebody's US versus UK, the I believe that these concepts translate. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that's that's something that we've we've really felt is that it's the the this if this period of time has taught us anything, it's that the bound borders don't really matter. We've all gone; the whole planet's gone through the same thing. And and the principles of marketing, yeah, people are different, and buying habits are different. But that's again, that's part of knowing your customers, know what how they buy things and where they buy things, and whether they're impulse driven or logical and stuff like that. So, I think yeah, there's there's what works in England works in the US. You know, it's all it, it's all similar stuff. And uh, might be so a yeah. different word. I, I was there for six weeks doing um, working on a project back when I worked at Pitney Bowes, and I said something about I just bought this great pair of pants <laughs> to the guys I was working with, and they just turned bright red and they looked at me, and they said did you mean trousers or yeah, pants? Trousers. And I'm like, well, they're the same thing. And they're like, not in England. No. Pants or underwear, I gather. I think it's getting more, you know, like a lot of words like that, they become more uh, interchangeable <laughs> as time goes by. My kids say pants when they're talking about trousers. <laughs> but I, I was like, oh my gosh, no, I don't mean underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just the, I've only just met you, but let me tell you about my pants. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you about my pants. Okay, so tell people how they can find you and all that wonderful stuff. Yeah, like so I would you know encourage anyone to have a look at uh, 33%.co.uk. That's our website. It's all letters, no numbers. Uh, but if you go to 33%.co.uk slash customer, uh, then we've got an ebook on there, which is, is really all about getting ahead into the ideal customer. It takes you through the process of really going through the, the detail of their needs, their desires, the you know all the good stuff that you need to to figure out. But it's all in service of getting in their head because that's the thing. 
I just I, th I, I just feel passionately that that's the turnkey moment when you get inside their head that a lot of the other stuff starts to make an enormous amount of sense. So, uh, you know, if you do one thing, I would love it if you you check that out because I think it, it would have great value um, to anybody that's listening. Is that the correct site? It's just absolutely correct. That is absolutely yes. right. Look Not bad. That. that is professional. You say graphics don't matter, but this is typing. some professional stuff. Okay. So for those um, watching video, it's right on your screen right now. For those listening to the audio only a portion of this podcast, you know, have fun. Go watch us live and you can see what we're talking about Um James has behind him, go watch the video on any of my video platforms, but I'm going to put it out there again. His website is 33% and that's T-H-I-R-T-Y, the word 3%.co.uk slash customer. So don't go the number three, the number three the and the percent sign. It's write out the word 33%.co.uk and you can get to James Adam and that wonderful ebook that they've got for you. So James, thank you so much for being here with me today. Last thought you want to leave my listeners with? Well, no, you know, likewise, thank you very much for having me. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure. I love chatting to you about this. So we, like you said, we could chat for hours, but I think if, if I leave you with one final thought, it, it would be don't let um, the world people, anyone tell you that marketing is, complicated or is too complicated for you to get involved in i think as laura said before take the first step that's all you've got to do is you know every journey starts with the first step that's what you've got to do just do something try and get in the head of who that person is you're talking to and think of them like they're your best friend and don't get overwhelmed by the complexity of it because it really it really isn't rocket science if you if you follow that process you will be able to achieve great success with marketing in a really, really small amount of time. Great. Thank you so much for being, this is awesome. I can't wait to set that other show up where we just. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> and, and don't forget what we talked about before the show started. You have to watch the movie Tomorrowland on I'm Disney. On That's my, this weekend it's on the list without Okay. Doubt. And then you got to tell me what you think about it. Will be. Uh, all right. Hang on and I'll be right back to you. All right, everybody. I just had James Adams, James Adam on the show from 33%. And I loved our conversation today about marketing, about how you figure out what's the right marketing for you and for your clients and how not to get distracted by what everybody else is telling you to do. You need to find what works for you. What is your strategy? Don't feel like you have to be everything to everybody. Just pick one thing, start there, see how it goes. Give yourself some time. There's so many great nuggets from today's episode. I would love for you to share on social media or email me, whatever you want to do. What was your nugget that you took away with? Tag, tag James and I on some of your marketing efforts. Let us see what you're doing. Let us see what you've learned from today. And if you have other questions, you can reach out to James. You can reach out to me because we're always here for you. Because at the end of the day, what I've always learned and what I say to you every week, everybody, is at the end of the day, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. 
connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.